So, you've got an idea for a business. The store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out. Everything. That's why Shopify's all-in-one commerce platform makes it easy to sell online, in person, and everywhere else. Sell on social media? Source products with an app to get that first sale feeling. It's the only solution that gives you everything you need to sell everywhere you want. So when you're ready to bring your idea to life, power it up with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Wait, poverty is a state of mind? Well, in that case, um, I want to be rich. Well, I guess it's not here yet. Yeah, you know, that, that kind of debunks that. You know, damn Ben Carson, I mean, really. You know, as the token Negro of the Trump administration, I would like to say that you should represent yourself a little bit better than being an asshole about these things. I mean, granted, didn't you come from Detroit? So I guess all the time in Detroit, that was probably a state of mind for you, I guess. You see, success is a mindset, I'll give you that. But if you're trying to be deep, you're going about it the wrong way because this is just about as bad as your whole slaves were immigrants thing. He's really making some significant marks in the red. Just ridiculous, man. I just don't understand like how we got this far. At a 4.1 budget, huh? That's taking from essential items that we need in this country. How stupid can you get? Anyway, you know what? I've been busy with trying to work on things in my production company, and I also have been working on other projects. But you know what? Now that I think about it, no more delays. Welcome to the J-Man Show here on K360 Radio. So, you've got an idea for a business. The store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out. Everything. That's why Shopify's all-in-one commerce platform makes it easy to sell online, in person, and everywhere else. Sell on social media? Source products with an app to get that first sale feeling. It's the only solution that gives you everything you need to sell everywhere you want. So when you're ready to bring your idea to life, power it up with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Uh, it's been a while, ladies and gentlemen. I am sorry for all the massive delays that have happened here in the company so far. You know, I had to take a break from Mother's Day because you got to spend some time with your dear old mom, you know what I'm saying? But I'm back, and I think everybody else has been awaiting my return because there's a lot of crap that's going on in America now. I'd like to say it's too damn much. I mean, what with healthcare on one side, Trump doing a world tour that's costing more and more taxpayers money, and of course... If I sound a little different tonight, it's because I started a new way of recording the J-Man show for all of you. And it begins like this. The show is actually portable now. Yep. Don't have to just stay in one place anymore. Like, say, like, if I go all the way to the Dirty Dina and spend time with, you know, the Buffet Boys, I can go ahead and do my show on the side as well. Hell, who knows? I'll probably do a show as I'm on the way going there. You know what I'm saying? Right now, I'm able to do this sort of thing. So... This is just a new technique on how I'm working it all out. I hope I sound pretty good over there. Because I think there's a way I can actually go live doing this. So I'm going to try it sometime. But that comes a little bit later. But right now, you know, we've also been working on some new stuff around here. Try to get that fall show ready for you. Uh, of course, we also have um, some pressing issues to be concerned about. The FCC is trying to roll back net neutrality rules. I don't know if I mentioned that last episode, but if I did... 
it's one thing for all of us to keep an eye on because you know how the internet is free and open can you know outside of the whole internet service provider and all that kind of stuff but you do know the system itself well once again the GOP is trying to get more control than it needs so they're trying to find ways to control that and regulate things it, it, it's all a load a bureaucratic clusterfuck is what I'm saying not mention the Trump budget cuts 4.1 billion dollars can you believe it how did we get to this point and you see it's not even cuts on things that should be cut it's cut on things that are essential for our livelihood because consider this all walks of life not everybody comes and goes through life the same it, it's never been that way for as long as we've been here you see what happens when you go ahead and you think like this businessman Oh yeah, he's a businessman. He's a businessman. Let him run a like a business. Yeah, well, you got what you wanted, didn't you? Because you see, the thing about it is, not only are you getting screwed, I'm getting screwed. Hell, if anything, we're all getting screwed. And guess what? He didn't even buy us dinner first. As a matter of fact, how did we get from grabbing by the pussy, America first, then to, we have actually achieved progress today with Saudi Arabia on hunting down the terrorists. Where did all this come from? See, he's doing too many things at once. And he thinks he's the ideal guy that can get it done. At least there's one thing he actually admitted. He admitted that being president is not an easy job. Well, no shit. And not only that, he's like the oldest president we've had. You know? I'm just saying, you know, when you're 70 years old and you're just now figuring these things out, it just makes me wonder what kind of world you live in to grow into the giant jackass you turn out to be. Excuse my language. Because apparently we can't just trigger people for saying stuff like that about certain people that don't have our back. And I'm sorry, folks, but the realism of all it is Donald Trump does not have your back. And it's sad, but, you know, y'all know this. I mean, even the most delusional person knows this on the inside. They just don't want it to be fact. But it's there. You know, honestly, I would make this a Trump-based episode, but no. You got a whole nother episode for that because it's just too much going on. As the elevation of ignorance grows... Because it's not just Trump, it's the people that follow him. The bigger the content gets, so it becomes an episode of its own. Which is why those Black Label episodes get made on there. Now some of y'all are like, Jay, we like it better when it's comedy. Well, forget you then. Because that's not what this show is 100% about. Trust me on this. You'll get your comedy, but you're going to get some truth with it. Now, to keep moving forward, we're going to go back into movies. I know Alien Covenant came out and... Some of y'all either like or love it. I know that it's been financially successful, but I know a lot of you all are sitting out there saying, well, you know, it's better than Prometheus, but still I kind of don't like the way the series is going. You know, because of the, spoiler, spoiler, origin story that took place in it. And not to mention that things kind of were resolved at the end. I mean, you know, Shaw did rebuild David's body, so you got to give it that. But David went ahead and returned the favor by, well, let's say, testing her survival skills out, even though she didn't win and managed to use that to create the aliens. When you got things like that going on, it's kind of far-fetched, but it's also believable because of the time gap. He can sort of get away with it because the aliens will probably evolve into the ones that we know and love. Because we all like to bring up the second installment, Aliens, but I don't know, like... It seems like these movies here, they try so hard to reinvent a franchise. Reinventing a franchise is okay, but sometimes you don't really have to go as far as to go to the bare bones to do it. But considering Ridley Scott's work, I mean, I guess he just wants to be that trendsetter and he wants to do that sort of thing. Because he's even on record for saying, like, that Alien 5 will probably never be made. And it's like, 
I would say that it would be made, but I would also say like, just finish your prequel story and see where we go from here. Eventually the next movie to take place after Covenant is supposed to be the one that ties into the actual 1977 Alien movie. So hopefully there's something there that's actually going to be even, but considering that Ridley Scott is at the helm of it and everybody wants to be innovative, it won't be a linear pattern. It's going to be something that he's going to play with for a while and then we're going to get the story we're going to get. It's kind of like a process with him. In doing so, it made me go back and take a look at some of the other movies that was involved in the series. All the way up to AVP. Now, I know a lot of y'all don't like the Alien and Predator crossovers, but, you know, in comics they're great. In the video games they're awesome. But in the movies, the, the movies had potential to be amazing in their own right. That first one was decent. Not the best and not what I originally had planned, you know, with Aliens and Predators going all out. You know the human race is going to be involved in there somewhere. It would have been nice if it was Colonial Marines involved, but the closest thing we got to that was another Whalen yutani expedition. That, that was the closest thing we got, and even then, you know, the grunts did die in that. I mean, they took the Predator's guns, for goodness sakes. Like, story-wise, when you have a versus movie, the story-wise is not really all that important, unless it's for some that are into screenwriting and they see where the story doesn't make any sense. But you see, the price of admission alone is the fact that we're seeing two of the greatest creatures in the galaxy before the Guardians came into our lives, duking it out in an all-out battle. And the thing is, it kind of retconned a few things because that just goes to show that in the original series of Aliens, they tried so hard to keep the aliens from coming to Earth, but the aliens are on Earth in a pyramid. That's why you just gotta look at it with a grain of salt. Just be like, you know what? Whatever. This is a crossover movie. It doesn't matter. And then you see, like, it's actually a part of a training exercise for newbie hunters. So all the predators were novice and they would earn their guns so they can battle against the creatures. And, you know, I, I would have liked it to see, like, how all three young predators that went in there would use their guns to battle against the aliens. But we only got to see the one do it. Even then, he got the facehugger, pregnated him, and then chest burster and you saw the pred alien which was a good premise to go on to segue into the sequel but since i can never redeem that sequel because every time i look at it i dislike it so we're just gonna skip that but at least the first one you know if you never seen it and you heard all the bad word of mouth regarding alien versus predator the thing about it is when you look at predator 2 you see that xenomorph skull in there and you're like that's an alien head hell i would like to see this movie get made and believe me i still would too but we got what we got, and it seems like nobody's going to take advantage of rematching them, at least until, like, the Predator reboot comes into play. And if that ever comes, which it is, in 2018, hopefully we can get them to say, all right, yeah, maybe we can cross them over again. Maybe people don't care about Alien versus Predator Requiem. Okay, well, you know what I'm going to do? I'm not going to be a complete fanboy about that. What I'm going to say is, is this. If you haven't seen both of these films, go ahead and take a look at it, but trust me. When you take a look at that second one, you're just going to be like, God, they really went off the rails in that one. Because the potential for a good story was there. It's just that it didn't really play out. And there was, once again, only one Predator taking the helm. You know, it would have been nice if a group of Predators came down and went to war. But, you know, eventually it didn't go out like that. And not to mention, the humans were a lot dumber in that one than they were in the first one. But, you know, I think one day I'll probably do a whole bad movie thing, and I'll probably run through the whole segue with you about this. But, you see, let's stick to the main goal about the Aliens franchise, though. You see, if I could take a look at a hierarchy of these things, I would say Prometheus, as it was more of an engineer story, it was okay. You know, because there's a lot of ground to cover before the first Alien movie. And then you got Alien Covenant there. 
which, you know, carries the torch from Prometheus. Should make a lot of sense and should pay off all the endurance we all had to go through to get through that. Even though the story was pretty bloated in Alien Covenant, but you see, the thing about it is, the story has to be told like this. There's another way to do it, but then people would complain it's too linear. So you can see why Ridley Scott would do it the way he wanted. It's tiresome, but you know, we'll get through it eventually. And it's not like his other movies don't show this sort of thing. You see what I'm saying? It depends on what cut of his movies that you see, because the same could be said for Legend, Blade Runner. Moving on, though, it's just things like this that just happen, and you're, like, sitting there, and you're like, okay, that's a little weird, because, see, we're not used to it. A long time ago, the aliens didn't have an origin story. They were just on a crashed, derelict ship, and you saw the egg open up, and then this monster comes out and busts through, through John Hurt's helmet leading to an instant where you see this arachnoid on top of his face, and you're like, what the hell is this? And it's creepy because the arachnoid is dead, and you see John Hurt sitting at the table eating and having a good time, and everybody's enjoying themselves, but then all of a sudden, issues start to happen, palpitations, convulsions, and then finally, crack! His chest opens up, and you see this worm come out of it, and you're like, oh, oh! And then as soon as the worm just freaks everybody out and slides through the table going elsewhere, they try to go look for the thing, and then there's the skin, and little did they realize that the damn thing grew up, and it's still hungry. With acid dripping out of its mouth and everything else. Like, it was more survival horror, yes. And then one by one, the crew goes down, not to mention being backstabbed by their own, which was a robot named Ash. But you see, the thing is... Ash was trying to bring that creature back so they could weaponize it. Eventually, they were going to be brought back to Earth to be weaponized anyway. But little did you realize that it was somebody that was a part of the whole Whalen Corporation that was engineering the thing anyway. So it's interesting how this all turns out. That if you work for the Whalen yutani Corporation, eventually you will get screwed over and you're going to die. Because they want them xenomorphs to come right back to Earth to be used as weapons. And little did they realize throughout every single movie that was made in this series, they cannot control these things. I mean, the only time they even came close was in Alien Resurrection, and depending on whether you like that film or not, even then they were smart enough to break out and cause hell on that space station. Even with Dan Hedaya and the military grunts on there, they couldn't hold their own against those xenomorphs. And not only that, they were so intertwined human DNA because they cloned Ripley that, you know, she was practically more of an alien and they were practically more human in some ways. Not human to be friendly, I mean the evils of human nature. Like now they can really kill you with your own technique. What's really messed up about the whole thing, they knew this. Like, they even had a group bring in people as hosts because they were like, yeah, you know what? We finally got a queen alien, and that queen alien was laying a whole bunch of eggs so we could go ahead and bring in the xenomorphs and market them and make them into the weapons we need, considering that you cannot control them. That's kind of a problem. My problem with Alien Resurrection is the fact that we didn't get that queen and Ripley rematch that I wanted. The Ripley clone versus her child, pretty much, because she did give birth to that queen alien. But you see, the thing about it is, the queen alien developed the human womb or something like that, and then gave birth to that newborn, and that newborn, that newborn was freaky as hell. It was like, I was like thinking that that was Ripley number nine or some shit, because it thought of Ripley as the mother more so than the queen who birthed it. And granted, because the DNA running through it, it was more human than it was alien. And it was just as vicious as an alien, though, because all the killing that it did, and it snuck aboard that ship, and it was like, oh my god. God, what the hell is this thing doing here? Will somebody kill this thing already? And they managed to kill it through the airlock sequence from the second one. 
which was familiar, but at the end of the day, it's kind of a letdown considering that how they drew that out. Like the gore factor in that scene was just like, okay, well this is a bit more unnecessary than need be. I know the creature's horrifying enough to look at, but did you have to make its death equally bad? I would have liked it if it just floated right out there, but they had to show, you know, all those bits and pieces. But you know, the thing about it is at least it had experimental ideas is what, I, what I'm trying to say for Alien Resurrection. So that's why Alien Resurrection to me isn't as bad as Alien 3. Now, Alien 3, however, we need to be a little bit more nicer to it. Alien 3, for all its problems, had a lot of great ideas that just stayed on the table. They just weren't used right. Like, I would have loved to see that movie be its true form, where it was a Hicks story rather than a Ripley story. If Ripley came in at the last few minutes, that would be fine because it would tie into Alien 4, which eventually became Alien Resurrection. But at least with Alien 3, you know... Who's to say that Hicks wouldn't be on that prison planet? Or who's to say that they all didn't crash on the prison planet and had to find ways to survive in an environment that's really not meant to be survived on? You know what I'm saying? They had no weaponry and everything else. Alien 3 had problems for it because it wasn't really written well. Executive meddling played a role because they didn't want to go with that story. Ripley had to be in there, you know, instead of being in the fourth movie. Just like... All these things set on the table. And then David Fincher. David Fincher was given the project. After a career of doing music videos, it's not bad to move up. But when you move up, so does your load. And when you move up to, like, say, like in my Super Mario Brothers review, where the people had a problem. You know, they were great at doing Max Headroom. But you see, doing a feature is not the same as doing a television series. As soon as you go to features, you know... Your workload is a lot heavier. It's a whole different beast. It'll always be a different beast. No matter how similar we try to make it. So the best thing is, is that, you know, you can only hope for the best that you present a good show. And see, David Fincher also took time to rewrite the story. And he's long since disowned this film. But the thing is, is that, you know, his story doctoring isn't as bad as if he would have took notes from certain areas of the story and not get rid of them, but try to make a cohesive story. Because there was a point where they were filming Alien 3 without a script. Like, every day was new for them. When you're filming day by day and there's no script and there's no organization whatsoever, your crew and your cast are going to be hostile. If your crew is not hostile first because of conditions, your cast damn sure will be. That's something you gotta keep in mind. So, you know, you wanna try to have some organization in plan and at least have some shot lists together. But, you know, that's technical. We're, we're not gonna worry about that right now. What we're gonna think about is this, like, they tried so hard with this one to do what appeared to be a rehash of the first one. Only this time there's more people involved, the aesthetics of the film have developed well, but the thing is is that, you know, she's on a planet with no weaponry, they had to figure out a way to destroy this alien. And there's only one alien again, it's not like a whole nest of them this time. It does have the creep factor in some areas, but then there's times where the story is just, like, you've seen it before. Is what I'm saying. It's it's repetitive. It's Ripley having to survive this time working with prisoners that are on their side because while they didn't like Ripley being there and some of them tried to gangbang her, they're on the chopping block too because that damn alien doesn't care. It's going to give them an equal opportunity ass kicking. But, you know, eventually they found a way to do it by trapping it in, in the boiler room. And then eventually, you know, Bishop Whalen, they managed to find her to take her back in a way. But they also revealed their plans of taking the alien that's in her stomach and using that as a way of engineering the weaponry because you know the Weyland yutani corporation has a one-track mind no matter how many damn sequels it shows and no matter how many times 
that showing that these aliens will kill whomever they come into contact with, it, it'll always be this way. They see nothing but profit. They don't see lives, they see profit. And it's been like that regarding corporations, especially in movies. The whole subplot with Ripley being pregnant with an alien, that was kind of cool. Because, you, know, you know, there was an egg on the ship in the beginning where they all locked themselves down into. The thing is, like, Newt and everybody else was killed off, you know, due to re-entry, but Ripley was somehow able to survive because, I guess, because she's Ripley, and that's plot armor. But the thing about it is, is that Ripley had a twist to her because the alien managed to break into her capsule and impregnate her. You know, that there was a queen alien in there. And then they realized it was a queen, and they were like, oh, wow, that, 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 that works out better than we thought. She went ahead and she did the right thing, her sacrifice. Now, that wasn't forced. That was okay. Because that thing was busting out of her and she held on to it, and then they both had to die. So that was the saving grace of the Alien 3 movie. However, if you are a dog lover, you will hate this movie because, well, the aliens have to find a host and um, there were no prisoners around except for <laughs> the prisoner's dog that was out there doing the search team. And that poor dog, you got, you got to see what happened to that dog, by the way. So that's why the alien in that movie was called the Runner. Because it could run on all fours. It was a quick moving alien because the dog was the host for it. And that's what made it so interesting. I mean, there's iconic scenes in it like when the alien confronts Ripley in the shower and it wouldn't attack her because of the alien inside of her. There are little things about the film that were good, but the problem is there's a lot of cons in this film that make you not like it as much. It'll polarize what you think. And then eventually Alien Resurrection came into our lives. And Alien Resurrection is one of those kind of films that, you know, you either love it or you hate it. You'll probably like it a little bit more because they had new ideas, Ripley's back, and maybe because, like, okay, say this, like, the aliens are back on screen. And then there's multiple aliens instead of just one. But when you have, like, Alien 3, you probably look at it because it was seems like it was darker... There was a lot more at stake going on. And it had that survival horror aspect that was sorely missing. At least in terms of comparing the two, I like Alien Resurrection a little bit better because it was like a more fun movie. Put it that way. Alien 3 was, you know, I got to be in a mood to see Alien 3. If I want to see something that's like, say like if you're looking at Sharknado on sci-fi and you know damn well Sharknado sucks ass, but they still keep making sequels to it. Maybe because it was so bad that it's like, just keep doing it. Just keep doing it. But when you sit there and you watch Alien, Alien feels like a sci-fi Saturday movie because you're sitting back and you're like, wow, oh, this is actually fun. Like, like all this stuff that is going on, it's just, it's just, it's a fun movie, even though it has horror elements. Whereas with Alien 3, Alien 3 is, all right, let's take that hope from Aliens at the end and totally rewrite everything. And then luckily there is a recut of that movie. Kind of like Richard Donner's uh, Superman 2, called Alien 3 The Assembly Cut, which actually brings them to a positive light. It's one of the movies that depend on what cut you watched. And when you look at The Assembly Cut, it's like, okay, well, this is a better version of the film. But still, it's not enough to save it. At least for me. Like, other people, they'll sit there, they'll say it'll, it's a Saving Grace movie. It's, it's better than what we thought it was and everything else. I mean, I can see what they were trying to do. When you have Ultimate Editions, Director's Cuts, and everything else, they're great to hold on to, and it'll make you redeem and forgive a film. But remember this, the theatrical cut is what everybody sees. And when everybody sees that theatrical cut, it can either be a hit or a miss or a polarized film or Green Lantern. Okay, okay, I take it back. Green Lantern, everybody hate that film. But you know what? I'm sure if there was ever a recut of that film, I'm sure somebody will sit there and say, well, this is a much better version. And it's like, you know what? You're putting lipstick on a pig. You're getting that closer to Highlander 2. Because you can make as many different cuts as you want to, but will it have that saving grace like that 
theatrical cut should have had? Probably not. Like, Daredevil has a director's cut, which is a much better film, but the series for Daredevil came out, and nobody gives a damn, especially Ben Affleck and Jennifer Gardner. You see what I'm saying? That's why sometimes when you see a recut of a film, it's good to take a look at to understand what they were trying to do and where they could have went with it, but they chose not to go with it either through powers beyond our means. You know what I'm saying? Like sometimes executives think that they got it all figured out and then sometimes, you know, directors and people involved in the actual process think they got it all figured out. And in the end, it's the audience that see it and they're the ones that dictate it goes down the line. Like, in the end, understand this for all aspects of life, okay? We're all guessing. It could be a crapshoot. You could be promoted wrong. You could be a lot of different things to kill your movie. And then this film was riding so high off the coattails of Aliens, you forget that Aliens was just so good. It's a tough act to follow and hope that you can be a success. So at least with Alien 3, you know, you can see that they tried with it. But whether it's a good or bad movie depends entirely on your perspective of it, and then what version you saw. Whether you realize that, hey, maybe this third installment should be where they tried new ideas. Maybe it should have been a different person's story. But there's times where that can fail too, because if you look over at the Halloween series, where like the first two were about Michael Myers, this third one was about that mask company. And that third one, you know, to me, oh, it had problems, but the third one to me, it had problems, but it was fine for me, because it was a creepy mask factory. And even then, the bad guys won at the end. If they made it so like the bad guys won at the end of Alien 3, it would get you so amped up for Aliens 4 because you're like, gee, this story has to be resolved. And you would kind of want that. Sometimes having the bad guy wins can actually make your franchise fresh. Like, Say like if they were going to do this Venom movie, okay? And they are. They got Tom Hardy to play as Venom. Look, you can cast whoever you want to cast, okay? I'm not hating I actually think that's good casting, but you see the thing about it is Venom with no Spider-Man in it just isn't Venom to me. You know, I, I like Venom's solo stories to a point, but I also realize why the character exists. And I also realize why he's more of Spider-Man's worst enemy than Carnage is. Carnage is everybody's worst enemy, let's be real, but Venom, there's a special hatred, you know, there for him and Spidey. You see what I'm saying? But... You know, it's just like, I don't even know what the damn story of this movie is, let alone getting exciting about casting. It's kind of like in Amazing Spider-Man 2 when they had all these nods to different characters taking place in the Spider-Verse. And it's like, okay, we get it. We get it. That's Felicia Hardy, who will play the Black Cat. And, you know, they have Felicity Jones there locked in to play that character. And I still would like to see that kind of movie happen, but if Spidey's not there, I could care less who she's going against. I mean, who is she fighting against? Silver Sable or somebody like that? I mean, let's be real. Like, what's the story? Why would I want to go see this movie? Because I remember seeing a movie dealing with a, with a cat-based persona of someone, and it didn't go so well. And you know, the thing about Halle Berry is, she's a good actress, but the thing about it is, is that movie, that movie didn't sell anything to any Catwoman fans. It was a Catwoman movie in name only. And I'd hate to see any of these supporting Spider-Man characters get the same treatment, but once again, you know, when you know who's in charge and all they see is dollar signs, it's just nonsense after a while. You'll see that this is a cash cow and you'll see that the movie doesn't even hold strengths and that's what kind of kills movies. That's why a lot of people hate modern filmmaking these days. Yeah, special subsect. I mean, when you are a director and a producer, you're gonna see these kind of people. I don't care who you are. Any of you out there that even do a movie blogging and stuff, you know who your viewers are. You know who your readers are. And they're the ones that see these movies. So that's how it goes down. 
But shit doesn't make any sense because you sitting there like, wait, what? Really? That's what this character's about? Hey, but don't worry about it though. We we casted Tom Hardy. You understand? We took that step forward. We got Tom Hardy cast in to play as Venom. Oh, okay. So what's Venom going to do in the movie? Well, it's Tom Hardy playing as Venom. You know what I mean? Yeah. Don't worry about the story. I mean, because cause it's, it's Tom Hardy dressed up in the, in the Venom symbiote. And he's going to kick all sorts of ass. Uh, yeah, well, what's the story? What, what's Who's he fighting against? Well, you know, it's Tom Hardy playing as Venom. You know. See what I'm saying? That's why I'm not excited. But you see that? I'm also a screenwriter, so... That's why I'm like, mmm, okay. Because I know, like, even, and you're probably going to say, Jay, now even if they wrote a good story, or even if they wrote a script, chances are it's not going to be in the actual film. Well, no shit, I know that. But look, the point is, is this. I want some substance with this character. If you're going to go ahead and produce a Venom in-name-only movie, to which they, depending on who you talk to, they already did because of Spider-Man 3. But the thing is, is that, if you're going to do a Venom and name-only movie, I would like to know exactly what kind of take are you taking it on. Is it going to be an Agent Venom movie? I mean, because, you know, Flash Thompson, as Agent Venom, had to go through a lot of stuff. And that's totally okay. You know, I don't mind that. But it's like, you know, when you're trying so hard to keep up with certain things, and they are trying, allegedly, to pull Spider-Man back into the Spider-Verse, instead of leaving him in the MCU, which any smart person would do... It's just, uh, just a sign of how ignorant that our society is and whoever's in charge of these things. It's enough to insult you. But you see, that's, that's my take on the Venom movie. Or any movie out here where if you're going to show casting first, that's great. I am happy for you. I mean, the DCEU could do the same thing for whoever's playing Nightwing. I mean, they have done it for like whoever's playing this character and that character. Uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson's gonna be playing as Black Adam. I mean, great. Brilliant, even. But if I don't know what the plot of this movie is, and I know how movies can get shelved any time based on either the performance of the last movie that was made or based on the fact that they lose interest, which can sometimes one leads to the other, I'm not getting my hopes up. You see what I'm saying? Now, considering how... Fox wants to churn out every X-Men movie they can. Which, by the way, Fox, please give the Fantastic Four rights back to Marvel. Holding them hostage is not going to help you feel better about the distribution deals of the Star Wars movies. Let it go. You're fine now. And you already got one superhero cash cow. You don't need another one. Actually, you got two of them, to be honest. No. You got more than that, actually, because you got the X-Men franchise. And you are spinning Deadpool off into its own universe, pretty much. Yeah, you got certain other characters over there. Now I think about it, yeah, the Fantastic Four don't mean anything to you. And I know Simon Kimberg is probably going to be like, Well, we have a good idea for a Fantastic Four movie. Okay, well, once again, what is it about? Well, uh, uh, um, they're going to be fighting Mole Man. Yeah, but you're still going to tie in Doom somewhere, right? I mean, there's going to be something there, either with his mask imprint or Latveria, or it's going to be like, Dr. Doom gave the Mole Man the means to do all these things. You know, because they like to keep certain people in the shadows and stuff. And then you see that tie and you're like, oh my god, sequel coming! Because that's what it is. No, we, we don't have time for that. Just give the rights back and let Marvel go ahead and do what they gotta do with it. Or work out a deal. That would be better. I mean, work out a good deal. Because, see, Disney got all the money. When you can work out certain deals and stuff like that, just, you know, play the game. Because these licensing woes are really starting to get on some of us fans who are actually all about the whole Marvel Universe. Like... 
I got a picture of the whole Marvel Universe right here. Only one thing, there's hardly no X-Men in it. And while the Fantastic Four is there, they are separate. So in the end, you can see all of these things here. Like this stuff is not even just in the movies anymore. It's gone so far down into the merchandising and to the prints. And as far as I'm concerned, I'm gonna have to get me a Fantastic Four print to go with this print. But you know, I'll just do that when I need to. Outside of all that though, J360 Legion, I do wanna give you your J360 question of the week. And that question of the week is, should Fox return the Fantastic Four rights to Marvel? And I'm gonna let this run for a whole week and it will be addressed in the J-Man Show 27. Because 26, we got a lot of work to do. I wanna thank all of you for tuning in and listening to me ramble for a while. I know it's been a minute, but hey, I'm making up for it using this double special. And keep in mind, that double special means that we're coming back on Friday with 26. If you like the portable process of this show, please let me know in the comments below or let me know via Twitter, all right? at J360Productions, that would be nice. And speaking of which, uh, for those of you out there who have a podcast and you would like to, you know, unite with us sometime, well, check out our Facebook page at facebook.com slash J360Productions. Send a follow or something or send a message out and we'll go ahead and we'll connect with you all because, hell, we're all in this together. So, outside of that, though, this is Jay signing off. See ya.